Hey everyone, good morning. It's Pastor Kimberly here, uh, along with my husband. I get to be one of the proud location pastors in Vernon, but I'm coming at you from the Kelowna studio because that's the time we are in right now. But either way, I am so glad that you have welcomed us into your home or wherever you are. Uh, this month, we have been looking at prayers found in and among the Christmas story, and hopefully getting a fresh perspective and looking at the significance they have and the applicability they have in our own lives. And uh, it's probably not a surprise to you that I am often drawn to women in history whose decisions and actions have actually altered the course of history. And I think Mary the mother of Jesus, uh, fits that category just fine. And lo and behold, she also has a prayer. And uh, like many of the other prayers, there's a lot more to it than first meets the eye. Definitely more than I will be attempting to share in the next few minutes here. Um, but I truly believe, and I have been praying, that as we look at um, this prayer from this girl, this ordinary young teenage girl who lived 2,000 years ago, I do believe that God has something he wants to say to you, that he wants something that you can take into your life, and that God just wants to, I don't know, breathe a fresh sense of life and spirit into your world. So uh, if you agree with me, or if any of that sounds good, I encourage you to lean in, just to pay attention and look for that thing that God has for you this morning. So the uh, title for my message is A Praise That Overpowers. A Praise That Overpowers. Uh, would you join me for a moment while I just pray? God, first and foremost, I thank you for the honor to be able to continue to talk about you and your story and your heart for your people. I ask this morning, God, that um, your truth and the things that you have will be the things that people hear and remember, uh, that you will use me to share things, but that the things that are actually divine and lasting will be the things that stick. We love you so much. Thank you so much that I get to be a part of the best church in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my guess is today uh, that this is probably not the first time that you have heard about Mary, mother of Jesus. Uh, no matter what your religious background, uh, she's a pretty famous character. And I think in our modern worldview, uh, we tend to have this picture of Mary as like this pure, uh, loyal, faithful, uh, kind, devoted young woman. And um, uh, maybe when you think of her, you hear certain Christmas carols, you know, like, Mary, did you know? And I will not, I will not continue to sing because I have not been accepted onto the worship team. Anyways, however, as I have taken this week to really look at the life of Mary, to look at the choice that she made, the decision that she made to respond to God the way she did, I have concluded that although she may have been faithful and loyal and kind, which are great things, she definitely was not timid, she definitely was not weak. And if you actually look at the position she took in her spirit, in her prayer, and in her response to God, I would say that this woman was absolutely gutsy. She was a bad donkey, if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm sorry if you have to explain that to your kids later. Let's just get right into scripture, Luke 1, 26, 34, and we'll take a look at the beginning of her story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, 
to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I am a virgin. If we could just pause for one moment here. The very fact that Mary uh, was brave enough or had the courage enough to have an actual conversation with an angel um, had to have been some indicator of her heart after God or of her relationship with him. Uh, I know I can speak for myself, but I have a feeling that for most of us, if God sent an angel to give us a divine assignment, God might have to like resuscitate us first before we continue to have conversation with him. I, I know I for sure would not be responding with clarification questions, but Mary, whatever kind of teenage girl she must have been, she goes, okay, I hear you, Gabriel, but I'm a bit bothered by a few details. Um, like for instance, I'm a virgin, but I'm gonna be giving birth to God's son, so like how's that supposed to play out? Like this woman, she's either nuts or she's so close to God's heart that even though she has found herself in the middle of an unprecedented situation. Yeah, I said it, an unprecedented situation. She recognized his voice and his presence in it all. Like, who here wants to be the type of person when they find themselves in an unfamiliar, even terrifying circumstance that they can still hear God's voice? When they find themselves in the middle of something that they've never been before, they can still recognize his divine involvement. All right, let's continue verse 35 through 38. And then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has actually conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Crazy. You know, when Mary first woke up that morning, the morning the angel visited her, I'm sure she had a picture of what her future would look like. Like I think many of us often wake up with an idea of what our future would look like. Or at least we had an idea at the beginning of this year. You know, Mary probably um, had a picture of what her wedding would look like, of what it would be like to be Joseph's wife, maybe um, raise a nice family and so on and so forth. And at this point in the Bible, uh, essentially God's been silent for 400 years at least in a dramatic fashion. It's not like Mary was like, oh, maybe this is my turn for an angel to visit me. <laughs> and yet Gabriel comes and he tells her she's been highly favored and has been chosen to become the mother of God. 
And so after her dialogue with him, after she's processed this information, this is how she responds in prayer. And her prayer is actually in the form of a song. Luke 1, 46. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. For he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Now, I often have to remind myself, and I think we should all be always reminding ourselves that we have the ability and the privilege to look back on the story and know how it ends, right? We get to see the big picture, relatively speaking, right? We know that Mary's son actually would become the savior of the world. We know that her decision to obey God would have implications that would change the world forever. So obviously, she made the right decision to obey God's plans. Obviously, she made the right decision to go along with his call. I mean, in a way, it's like she just found out she won the being used by God lottery, right? And so it kind of makes sense, like, especially when you read the Bible, that she responded by thanking God and praising him, right? This was great news, so you say thank you. So I think it's not unfair to ask the question, like, is this prayer or this response of hers really uh, worthy of being considered as super significant? Isn't she just sort of thanking God in a moment of happiness? But if we attempt to place ourselves in her world, in her finite world, in her very human perspective that in fact could not see the future, the circumstance she found herself in must have been nothing short of overwhelming and absolutely terrifying. You know, first of all, along with the privilege of uh, carrying out God's will would have come the pretty assumed accompaniment of being ostracized by the community she lived in. We've got to remember the culture and the time she was in. She was betrothed or she was engaged, but she wasn't officially married. There was no loving that was supposed to be happening yet. And yet she was a virgin, but she was pregnant. Right? There weren't episodes of Teen Mom. There weren't social support programs. Like This was not a good situation. And yet she still said yes to God. Even more so in what I think is so hugely um, significant is that she let the praise in her spirit about what God was doing overpower the fear she, that she had regarding the circumstances. And then, of course, there was the unknown of how her fiancé would respond, you know, never mind her parents. Right? She would have known that she had a pretty ex absurd excuse for being pregnant. And that Joseph literally had the uh, right and the cultural and social expectation to have her executed. Now, my husband and I, when we were engaged, if I had brought him similar news, that I was pregnant and it was due to divine reasons. 
I'm not sure where I would at least hope. Uh, I would hope that he wouldn't push to have me executed. Um, But I do know that his response would not have been positive. And I do know I would have experienced significant stress and I would have not looked forward to breaking this news to him. Right? Mary must have known that things could go terribly wrong with the man that she was supposed to spend the rest of her life with. And yet, she let the praise in her spirit overpower the fear that she faced. And then there was the part about, you know, the possibility of going through pregnancy alone, which has its own set of fears. No epidurals, no ultrasounds. When she said yes to God, she said yes to, you know, the muscle aches and the back pain and the nausea and the swollen ankles and the, can you tell I'm pregnant right now? (laughs) But God... (laughs) God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he decided to take his spirit and put it in a form of a baby with little arms and toes and all that and put it in Mary's womb. And then she was going to give birth to this child and then raise him. I feel enough pressure by society raising my own very human children. Never mind the task of raising the son of God. I mean, come on, if there was ever an excuse to give into anxiety, <laughs> to let uh, the fears of what could go wrong overwhelm you, Mary had it. And yet she still chose to believe that all of this was somehow good news. And she praised God. She let the praise in her spirit overpower the fear that she faced. You know, Mary's response to God uh, would change the world for the better. Right? How she responded to God would change the world for the better, but it absolutely, positively would not make her life easier. Right? And I think she knew the turmoil and the uncharted territory she had just signed up for. Right? Saying yes to God seemed like a dangerous decision in some perspectives, but she didn't get sucked into despair. She didn't run. It was clear she wasn't in control, but she chose to believe that God was. And even though she now found herself on a completely different trajectory than she had thought, she believed that God would not give her something or ask her to do something only to abandon her. And perhaps today you have found yourself on a completely different trajectory than you had previously thought. But I am telling you, church, that God will not ask you to do something or give you something to carry only to abandon you. You know, when we are facing impending challenges or uh, uncharted territory, I think it's so easy for us to default on focusing on the potential negatives. I think we can focus on the negatives very easily in our decision-making, in our conversations, and even in our prayer life. But Mary, she looked at this exact type of situation and she decided that even though her life had been turned upside down, she would be grateful that God decided to use her for the bigger picture, for the broader perspective, that she would be a part of God bringing freedom for the oppressed, hope for the people, hope for the world. That's what it meant for God's favor to be on her. You know, it's funny, if an angel came to me and told me that God's favor was on me, especially when I was a teenage girl, um, I would have thought that meant like I was going to be valedictorian, 
or that my husband was going to show up any second, that finances would just flow in miraculously, that I would perform miracles, that maybe my vacations would be very Instagrammable. Right? This is the type of thing I would think of if Gabriel came and said, you have found favor in God's eyes, Kimberly. But that's not really what God's favor looked like for Mary. Is it? Like, so today, if your life has been turned upside down, it's not a sign that God's favor has left you. Right? And Gabriel literally said to Mary three times, I don't know if I said three or two or five, but it was three. One, two, okay, okay, good. Three times you have found favor in God's eyes, and yet her life had taken a drastically different turn that wasn't exactly full of unicorns and rainbows. So if things in your life are also not full of unicorns and rainbows, it doesn't mean that God has left you. It doesn't mean that you have not found favor in his eyes. In fact, there's a chance it might mean you actually have found favor with God. Right? Because when God is truly wanting to do something supernatural or divine in our life, when he's wanting to do something divine in your life, it's probably going to mess us up a little bit. Right? Because God's favor is not to elevate our status. God's favor is for service of something greater to be a part of his plan and his strategy to bring his love to the world. And so I think it's okay. I think it's okay to be a little bit nervous and when it comes to what obeying God might look like for our lives. Right? Gabriel did lead with fear not. But I think that for so many of us, we're so afraid to do what God has asked us to do or jump fully in because of what it might cost us. Uh, the, um, the past week, I, just started, I decided to start also praying uh, this prayer that Mary prayed. Uh, not because I think I'm on par with Mary, the mother of Jesus. But I do think that I have felt like the direction that my life has gone has taken a turn. That I've been misunderstood, that things have gone wrong, <laughs> even when maybe they're going right. That maybe God's doing things behind the scenes. And as I have prayed this prayer and tried to find myself in this prayer, I have found that it has redirected how I see things. Something interesting in Mary's approach is that she starts off with just two sentences, only two sentences that are focused on anything except God. She, she starts off by declaring the truth about her identity in Christ and who she is because of him. Right, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, for he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. All generations will call me blessed. And then her focus remains entirely on him. She talks about his mercy, his power, his faithfulness, his holiness. And I think this is a really good example about how focusing on God, focusing on Jesus, adds security to us in insecure times. I actually think this is a prayer strategy to bring security to our souls. That when we let the praise in our spirit overpower the fears that we face, it reminds us of his character, of his goodness, that his intentions for us are, are not bad, that his intentions for us are good and the communities around us. And I do think that probably um, the percentage of my prayers that are focused on me, it's probably a little bit high, 
And that's okay. Oh my goodness, we want you to pray about everything. Pray about everything all the time. God does not reject those prayers. But, but, and I hope you hear me when I say this, if our prayer life, if we find that our prayer life keeps the sole focus on ourselves, it will not ground us the same way that focusing on him does. I don't know what voices of uh, uncertainty or even negativity have maybe been coming at you lately, but I definitely know there would have been a lot of voices of negativity and uncertainty coming at Mary. They were coming at her, and yet from her, she spoke about his goodness and his faithfulness. And I really do doubt this is the first time she probably prayed a prayer like this. I doubt this was the first time that she let the praise in her spirit overpower the fears that she faced. This is probably something she got used to. She trained herself to do. It was probably an ongoing posture that she had. Her life was going one way. God interrupted it. She was confused and scared at first, but then she decided she was going to praise God. And from that decision, the Savior of the world was born. So what are your prayers? What is your prayer life indicating about you? I would encourage you this week to enter this passage yourself, to reword it so it's applicable to your situation, that you would open your spirit to receive the invitation that we have to come and worship our God and magnify him in a way that actually builds courage and bravery and security in us, in our spirits, and in our souls. Um, I'm going to read this prayer one more time before I close. I don't know, perhaps you'll think of it a little differently this time around. This time I'm going to read it in the message version. And Mary said, I am bursting with good news. I am dancing the song of my Savior. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. He, God, whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows wave after wave of those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. He knocked down tyrants off their high horses. He pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor, he sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out. He embraced his chosen child Israel. He remembered and he piled on the mercies. He piled them high. This is exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham right up to now. Church, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for my family is that we would allow the praise in our spirit to overcome the fears that we face. I love you. I'll turn it back to the host.